name is Perez Hilton. I'm about to cry. I'm about to laugh. Okay. It's also absurd. Podcast, and I'm your host, Sean Zanotti. I believe life is about the journey, not the destination. To find the journey in every step of the road, the highs and lows, the twists and turns, the ups and downs. It's in that, it's in those moments that makes life so beautiful. Our guest today has a journey of his own. Perez Hilton is known as the original influencer. He's a podcast host, an author, an actor. Please help me welcome Perez to the show. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me. Oh my God, I'm so honored to have you on this platform. I want to just start by talking about you. How did your rise to fame come about? Can you take us through your journey? When was the pop of fame for you? It happened accidentally for me because when I began my career, the word influencer didn't even exist. There really wasn't a blueprint for what I ended up doing. The industry, the support for influencers also didn't exist. Now, thankfully, uh, there are managers and talent agents that specialize in the influencer space that know what they're doing, that could help set their clients up for long-term success. But when I began, there really wasn't even much social media. <laughs> you know, it was such a long time ago in September of 2004. And I started just as a hobby. And my little hobby turned into this big thing. And while some things change um, it's it, you know a given and and especially in the internet and with social media one thing does remain the same and that is online and through social apps things can happen and escalate very quickly so i started my little blog and six months later it blew up And it was shocking to me, but it was also the best thing that ever happened to me. You know, we're talking about the journey. Blowing up so quickly was as if God spoke to me. Because a few months after blowing up, you know, I I blew up. You can you can achieve virality, you can get success on the internet and through social media and still not be making any money <laughs> or, or, or a lot of money. Um, so I had a day job that I hated and I was also very depressed, severely depressed. But that one moment when my little blog got me on a TV show, that was God telling me, you can do that again. It doesn't have to be one isolated moment. And that's really what got me through a very dark time, that hope and belief that I might be able to achieve something big again, a second time. Yeah. What was that show? Do you remember specifically? Yeah, of course. I mean, it's crazy because the world has changed so much that since then 
that TV show isn't even around anymore. It was February of 2005. And I had begun my little blog in September of 2004. And the show was called The Insider. It was the companion piece, the sister show for Entertainment Tonight. And the insider did a segment on Hollywood's most hated websites. And they asked, would I participate in that? And how would I feel about being named number one? And I was like, all right, sounds good to me. Better to be number one on that list than number two, you know? Uh, so for the, the longest time, for many years after that, on my banner on the website, it used to be called Perez Hilton, Hollywood's most hated website. Wow. Let's talk about the moment of that. Like what, how important is it for you to be prepared for the moment of that break? I don't think it's important to be prepared. You don't mm -hmm. have to be prepared. What you have to do is never give up and mm -hmm. never get lazy. Mm -hmm. Many influencers achieve success at a very young age. And when you're hot, you think you're always going to be hot. And when you're hot, it's easy. But you're not always going to be hot and it's not always going to be easy and you have to work at it. I would not wish an influencer career upon anyone because it's way harder than a traditional job. On the outside, it might look glamorous, fun, fabulous, but the reality of it is that, you know, you see all of these influencers and creators quitting and burning out because it's a 24 seven job. And it might seem, like I said, easy, but it's, it's much more than just creating content. It's creating content, promoting content, engaging with your content, responding to DMs, you know, everything. And it's, it's really draining. You know, I think one of the reasons why 17 years later, I'm still here is because I have an unhealthy work ethic. I don't just work hard. I work very, very hard. 99.9% .9 of the people that are listening or watching you and I right now, I know with every fiber of my being, they would not be willing to put in all of the hours that I have and that I still put in. Can you take us through your day-to-day? -day? What's your day-to-day -day like? It starts very early. I wake up at 5.30 a.m. so that I could work out before my kids wake up. Then, you know, I go for a, a brief walk. Although it's scary now because now it's getting dark early. Yeah. And it's like, oh my God, I... I used to be able to go for a walk at 645 for 15 minutes and it was daylight. Now I'm yeah. like, ah, ah, ah. like there's, it's just scary to go for a walk when it's dark out, but I do it because, you know, getting out of that, like, it sounds so stupid or so simple, but for, for somebody who works from home, it could be very seductive to just stay home and keep grinding and work. But the act of actually leaving your house and just, looking at nature or just going for a walk, doing something is so important for your mental health. So I wake up, I work out, I go for a walk. 
I spend my morning with kids before they're at school. They head off to school. I start going at it right away. I, um, you know, like to know what's going on. So I check all of my sources. I check Twitter. I see what's happening. I, um, you know, say, oh, we should be talking about this today or more of this. Uh, why don't we have this up yet? Or I heard this happened. Uh, trying to, you know, think of a different angle to take on a story. Um, I usually do at least one interview or meeting a day. Um, you know, I, I create content daily. So on my YouTube, my family YouTube, I post a video every single day, which is a lot. Yeah. Thankfully, you know, I'm not posting a long video every day. I've got this new system where I post a long video and then a short video, then a long video, then a short video. But that still comes out to three and a half long videos a week on average. Um, you know, like I said, it's not just about creating that video for YouTube. Then it's uploading it on Instagram and Facebook and Twitter to let people know you can watch the full video on YouTube and, you know, all of that. Uh, then it's, you know, the evening and just spending a little bit of time with my kids. And then it's the parental guilt of like, I would love to spend even more time with my kids, but I've still got to work. You know, I don't have FU money in the bank, as they say. Yeah. And I've made it a priority to get to bed early. So my goal is to go to bed at 9.30 p.m., if not earlier, so I can get my eight hours of sleep. So that means I'm not really going out or doing much during the week. And then on the weekends, it's pretty much just dedicated and devoted to my children and having really full, active, fun weekends for them, which helps, you know, with my parental guilt. You know, yeah, I work really hard during the week, but Fridays, Saturdays and Sundays, they live the most engaged, dynamic, exciting variety filled lives, these little people. That's so awesome that you're able to separate, you know, work and family life and you, and you realize the importance of that division. Um, well, you know, it's definitely a struggle because like, you know, even like this week, I was feeling down on myself because it's, I think human nature to want it all but you can't always have it all, you know? And I would love to be the best dad possible and have more of a social life with friends, but there's only so many hours in the day. And after I literally spend an entire Saturday out with my kids or an entire Sunday, like I live in Los Angeles. I don't know where you live, but like this past weekend, I took them to an activity in Highland Park. It took us an hour and 15 minutes just to get there. Like LA is so spread out. You spend, so it's like after a long day, active day with children doing stuff, like the last thing I want to do is go out at night. So, you know, I'm, I'm looking ahead and trying to schedule in adult time, make sure that I do see the few friends that I have, uh, because that's important as well. 
How do you schedule in your, your friend time or do you do that? And, and do you have to make a mental, uh, like a mental tab in your head to say, okay, let me call my friend. Let me hang out with them. Um, you know, how, how do you shift it in there into your busy schedule? I mean, thankfully my best, best friend is like a brother to me so that I know he's not going to be upset if I have if I haven't seen him in a month or a month and a half, because he knows I'm busy and I've got three kids. Uh, but yeah, I, I also try to like double book <laughs> meaning every once in a while, I'll try to hang out with a friend and bring one of my kids along so that we could, <laughs> I could get like some dad child yeah. time and some friend time so like we'll go to them I'll go to the movies with my children and my friends often because that's something that we could all enjoy and we can all do and then maybe we'll go out and eat afterwards so you make it uh, you do something inclusive of everyone yeah so in addition to your blog, you also have a huge podcast on two different channels on YouTube. What are three tips that you can provide to a listener or viewer out there, um, a YouTuber, uh, to in order to you know thrive in the business? What can you what can you suggest that they do? The first things that came to mind were quantity over quality. I'm sorry. And you may disagree with me, but, you know, like, let's take, for example, TikTok or Instagram Reels. Yes, I'm banned on TikTok, but I wasn't for a while. And I still have some expertise in how things work. You might spend literally an hour on a 115 second video that you think is amazing and epic, and it'll get no views. Then you might make the stupidest, quickest video that literally just takes you 15 seconds, and that might get you 15 million views on TikTok, right? So don't be too precious. Don't spend too much time with your content. What matters most is that your content doesn't suck. So inherently, it's going to be quality, but it doesn't need to be, you know, an Emmy award winning video. It doesn't need to be the best thing ever. You just need to keep producing content, you know, because that's what the algorithm likes. The YouTube algorithm prefers quantity. The more videos you push out, the more YouTube re will reward your channel. So the first tip is quantity. And the second tip is variety, you know, yes, you might have your niche, but even if you have a niche, like let's say you're a chef, right? You can do things as a chef in different ways presenting. And I'm not saying, you know, if you're just a baker, now all of a sudden start making barbecue content. No, you can be a baker, but even within the genre of baking, variety within that content, how you make the content, the, the, the kinds of baking, uh, problem solving for people, all aspects of it. So quantity and variety, I think, are really important. Even something as simple as it adds more work to you, but I think it's important. You know, if you have a new video on YouTube, don't just publish it. 
schedule it as a premiere ahead of time and let your followers know that you're going to be chatting live with them during the premiere of the video. So they have even more incentive to watch and then engage with you and to form community, not just with yourself, but with other followers of yours. Love that tip. So you're known for your blog posts and covering gossip stories about celebrities. Has there ever been a moment that you thought you said something, you put something out there and then you thought about it afterwards and you thought, you know what, maybe I shouldn't have done that. And if so, can you share when that experience was? Yeah, many times. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I'm human. And humans make mistakes and I'm not a huge corporation. So things aren't going through multiple layers before it gets published. Um, You know, I did make a big shift many years ago to do things differently and to not be cruel and nasty like I used to be for attention, but I still slip up and make mistakes you know here for example when kylie and this is oh god i don't want to trigger anybody but um when kylie jenner got pregnant the first time at 18 or 19 or something like that i just blurted out saying if i was chris jenner i would have told her to get an abortion and a lot of people were very upset by that. And it was just a reminder that even if it's not name calling or this or that or the other, it could still be hurtful. And I don't have to say everything I'm thinking. It's a lesson that I've already learned and you need reminders. That was your reminder. You just mentioned something. You said that sometimes you you used to say things for attention. Did you know that ahead of time or did you realize that after the fact that, okay, I'm doing this or I'm saying these things to garnish attention? Oh, I knew it during, which is one of the many reasons why I, I believe that whatever reasons people have for not liking me are absolutely valid. They are a result of my doing, my words and actions. Uh, It's not like I could blame the media for painting me in a certain way. No, it's what I did. I take ownership of it and I cannot claim ignorance. I knew when I was doing something wrong that it was wrong and I didn't care. I did it anyways for the attention. And then you care now because of what? Like what what made that shift happen for you? There was a very specific point. And, and, you know, that's like my Oprah brick moment. Very briefly, at the very last episode of the Oprah Winfrey show, she gave a masterclass in front of her audience where she basically told all of the secrets that she's learned over her 50 years of life at the time. And one of the things she said was just listen, the universe has the answers or God, whatever you want to call it. And if you don't listen, 
God, the universe will speak louder. And if you're still ignoring, it's going to smack you upside the head. And that's what happened with me in the fall of 2010. I was not listening. There were many, like over 20 gay teenagers that died by suicide. We had never seen anything like that prior to the fall of 2010. And thankfully, we haven't seen anything like that since. There was this journalist called Dan Savage that created this campaign called It Gets Better, which was a very simple concept. Older people making videos for younger folks and sharing their stories. So because it's my job to be plugged in, I knew the same day that he launched that campaign and I decided to make an It Gets Better video. I think I was the first personality or public figure to make an It Gets Better video. And the response that I got to that video was my Oprah brick upside the head moment because I thought in this time of darkness, I'm doing something to spread light. But the overwhelming majority of comments on that video said, how dare you, you make an It Gets Better video. You are part of the problem. You're a hypocrite. You're a bully. And that just shook me to my core because I had deluded myself prior to that, brainwashing myself um, saying things like, well, I'm just saying what a lot of people are thinking, or it's just silly entertainment, or if somebody doesn't like what I'm writing, they shouldn't read it, or Perez is just a character, it's not the real me, all BS, because it was me doing those things, and I did know they were wrong, but when it got to that point of the it gets better moment, I said, I don't care, and actually, for about a year prior to that moment, I thought of making a change already, but I was afraid to act on that because I had been doing Perez a certain way for six, five plus years at that point. You know, I had built this brand and I was afraid of losing everything that I had worked really hard for. So uh, I didn't until that moment. And then I said, I don't care if I lose everything. This is the right thing to do. And then I made a change. And it's 11 years later, and I'm in a bit of a pessimistic mood because some people might say, okay, I can acknowledge that he's changed. He used to be an absolutely putrid, despicable, horrible human being. Now he's just a horrible human being. He's not as bad as before, but he's still awful. And, um, you know, it is what it is. I accept it and I cannot let that weigh me down. Because I know I have changed and I know that I try to do better. Yeah, you make a conscious effort of trying to do better. So yes. that eases your mind. Yes. I read that you were banned from TikTok for violating community guidelines. What was all of that about? And the other end of that is, do you think that it's fair, that it's right for social media platforms to be able to silence and uh, 
you know, do this to people like yourself? Well, I definitely think it's fair. You know, it's a private company that can do whatever they want. Uh, I just wish the system on TikTok was a little bit more transparent like it is on YouTube. YouTube, they give you a strike system. And I actually got a strike for something so stupid last year. Who was it? Oh, it was, um, what's that rapper that was on that song with Kanye West? You're such a blinking blank. I love it. Lil Pump. There we go. Lil Pump made a stupid video that it was anti. He said something like, I don't remember exactly what he said, but like, I'm not going to wear a mask. I don't even think the coronavirus is real or some stupid thing like that. And I uploaded that to my YouTube story, not even my YouTube channel. Cause it's like, you know, it was a throwaway content that I would have posted on my Instagram story. And I think I captioned it. Remember Lil pump. So that was it. I was like, I thought it was newsworthy to post on yeah. my YouTube story. And they gave me a strike for that because of misinformation. Even though it wasn't me that, I, that was saying it. And even though I didn't agree with what he said. So that sucked. But then, okay, dang, now I've got a strike on my YouTube channel. And at least I could keep tabs and I know, okay, if I get one strike, this is what happens. If I get two strikes, well, actually it's a warning. I got a warning. First you get a warning, then you get a strike, then you get a second strike, then you get a third strike and you're gone. Um, but on TikTok, there is not a system like that. And I wish there were, or like on Facebook, they have a Facebook oversight committee where you can appeal being banned from Facebook. I wish that TikTok had that as well. They're new and, and you know, they, they probably should have that. And it sucks that, um, you know, they ban a lot of people for no good reason, or, or even, you know, people who promote sex work. Like, I guess it's against TikTok guidelines to promote an OnlyFans and you can be banned for that. Even if you don't link to it, which you can't link to it, just even mentioning, go check out my OnlyFans, which if you do check out an adult creator's OnlyFans, you don't see nudity right away. You have to pay to see that. So I think that's lame as well. They should update that. And with the whole regards to the whole banning situation, I don't regret what I said that started it all. Basically what happened was I commented something that I don't regret on a video of Charlie D'Amelio, who was, and I believe still is the most followed person on TikTok. And she was 15 years old at the time. She came up on my For You page, dancing in a very adult way, sexually to an explicit song about having sex while wearing a bikini. And it all, like, I'm old now and a father of three, and I'm officially like that old dude. Like, actually, Pink, the singer, recently had a, a similar situation where she commented on this really young influencer that she thought was sexually exploiting herself. Um, anyways, I asked a question in that video, and I said, is this appropriate? That's all that I said. And after I said that, 
it instantly made me enemy, a huge enemy of all of the fans of that influencer. So then they started reporting my videos and they would, they would get taken down over and over and over again. And there's also this um, mentality with a lot of younger people that any criticism is bullying. And I disagree with that. You can be critical of somebody without bullying them. But a lot of these young teenagers, I'm gonna, they're soft and they're mistaken. You're gonna go through life and get criticism. You need to be able to accept criticism that is not bullying. That's a good point. Um, I, 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 while I have you here, I do wanna get your thoughts on a couple of things going on around Hollywood. Um, for one, I want to think. I want to get your thoughts on Alex Baldwin. Um, what are your thoughts around that situation and the responsibility for the death on set? What's your take on that? That's tragic. You know, we have to re- remember that a mother is dead, and she's got a seven-year-old son that now is motherless because of a preventable death. I'm an actor as well. I'm a SAG member, the Screen Actors Guild. If there is a referendum and it's put to a vote, I would absolutely vote to get rid of any guns on set. We don't need them. It could all be done in post with a rubber gun. You could have a rubber gun that with special effects has bullets come out of it and the sound as well. There's no need for real guns on movies. So, you know, there was, there were multiple failures on that film set. What do you think it's going to end up? What do you think the, the, the resolution will be? The husband of the woman is going to file probably multiple lawsuits and he'll get paid off before it goes to court. And then that'll go away. I don't think that anybody is going to face criminal charges. Preparing for this interview, I read that you publicly put out there that you felt that you were to blame in part for the breakdown for Britney Spears. What made you say that and put that out there? Can you give us some context around that? I, in 2007, was unnecessarily, was cruel. That's unnecessary, unnecessary in my coverage of Britney Spears. And if you're not part of the solution, you're a part of the problem. I was a part of the problem. I don't, I would not say though that I'm the reason she was put in a conservatorship. I think that's oversimplifying it. You know, Britney was put in a conservatorship because she had severe mental health issues. How do you stay focused and grounded and give yourself, you know, a bit of tunnel vision, especially when you feel as though there's so many outside forces in the world that may be coming against you? What do you do uh, to stay positive? Thankfully, I have a lot of bills. (laughs) I have three children that I made the decision to have. It wasn't an accident. I knew what I was getting into. And I also have my mother 
that I support financially. And, you know, that's a lot of pressure on my shoulders. So I don't have too much time to wallow. I can't, well, I have to just keep going forward. I mean, even now recently, I'm going through like an existential crisis, which is, you know, do I move or do I stay in Los Angeles? Why would I move? What's the real reason for moving? Am I running away from something? Is moving what's best for me or is it what's best for my kids and my mom? What's, what is what's best for my kids and my mom? All of those things. So, you know, like you said, it's a journey and I love being honest and transparent. I think it's important to show people that we're all struggling. It's not easy and we all are just trying to do our best and we should have compassion for each other. And for, you know what, even before having compassion for each other, it's more important to have compassion for yourself. Absolutely. Um, are you spiritual? Do you have any spiritual practices? Do you meditate or do you do yoga or I don't know, vision board or anything along those lines? I, I would say I'm, I'm sort of agnostic when it comes to spirituality. Like I am a little bit, I was raised Catholic, but I don't identify as Catholic anymore. I went to a Jesuit school for seven years. <laughs> um, I used to do yoga back when, you know, I was a baller and I didn't have children and I would yeah. pay, I would pay for a private yoga session every single day. I would yeah. do yoga every day. Now, you know, I'm much more mindful of my spending and I'm not going to spend money on a private yoga session. And I don't really have the time to go out and, and, you know, do yoga. It's easier for me to do my online zoom fitness class. Um, you know, like, for example, like I have crystals all over my room. I don't really believe in crystals, but I don't not believe in them either. Yeah, <laughs> um, I do believe in energy mm -hmm. and I do believe in trying to do good, like behind the scenes and for real, for the right reasons, like not expecting anything in return. Like today, I was feeling really sad for a variety of reasons. And eventually I snapped out of it and I said, you know what? do something positive for others today. So I did something kind for two people that was very helpful for two different people that I know today. And that made me feel better. So that's karma. You know, um, I, I believe in all, I, I am a spiritual person, but I sort of wish that I was more spiritual. I wish that I even more than that, I wish that I was religious. I wish, I wish that I believed in heaven. I wish that I, without a shadow of a doubt, knew that there was something after this life. And I don't, I don't think there was anything after this life, but um, I wish it would be lovely if there were, 
I get it. It's it's interesting. Spirituality, it's you know, everybody has their own beliefs and it's your own belief, you know? Um, I, I want to wrap. Yeah, I do believe that most religions are talking about the same thing and like to think, oh, my religion is right and your religion is wrong. Like that's stupid. But I can't get down with religions that are cults. And a lot of them are cults like Scientology, where if somebody leaves the church of Scientology, like your brother, then you can't talk to them anymore. Like that's the stupidest thing, in my opinion. I would like to wrap with a segment that I call tell and tell, which is a play on the word show and tell. What is something that you can tell us about yourself um, that's a secret, if you will, that no one knows about you? I would say the secret is that I am boring and have a big heart. I'm, you know, kind of normal, pretty normal. I'm like your average-ish dad. I think every once in a while, I like to dress up in something fabulous. Um, But my kids are my everything and my priority in life. And, you know, I would say like my biggest wish in life is for the world to get to know who I really am and see me for who I really am, which I don't know if that'll ever happen because most people just have this notion of me that's tainted by the past and that they only see that person, that version of me and they want to keep me in the past like a prison cell. The just secret move is- forward one day at a time, one step at a time. Yeah. It's a new day. With gratitude in my heart when I wake up every morning, truly, like that's, you know, before I even do anything, I'm just, I say, I say, I like, that's that's a form of spirituality. I just like, I wake up and I say, thank you. Like, I'm just so grateful to be alive and to be healthy. Oh my God. I don't know why, but I've been watching a lot of cancer video videos on YouTube because that's real. Okay. Oh my gosh. Everything else, it's not that like my family content is not real, mm-hmm. but there's different levels of real. Like somebody's cancer journey, that's life or death. That's real. You know, me worrying about the latest drama with my four-year-old, you know, that's a phase, you know, she'll, she'll, she'll eat when she's hungry or whatever, um, And it just gives me a lot of perspective too, you know, to watch that kind of content. It's like, wow, yeah, I'm feeling down about myself and things may be hard for me now, but you know what? They could be way worse. Can always be way worse. Yeah. And when you put it in perspective like that, it just, it changes the way you think about things and uh, it makes things a little bit more beautiful. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you for this conversation. You are amazing. Um, Keep doing what you're doing. Thank Thank you you. very much. Appreciate you. Have a good day. Thank you. I appreciate you. Well, that is it for this episode of the Journey Told Show. I'm going to leave you with words that my father would often say to me, and that's to be the best version of you that you can be. Until next time, folks, let that sizzle in your spirit.